welcome back to Gossipin', where we gossip while we sit. This is Jeanette, your girl, best for last. Here we are, Leo season coming up. I got my red wine. This is my episode. I'm about to make it my bitch. I'm so ready. Um, we got some red wine tonight. It's 19 crimes, 13 crimes. It's a certain amount of crimes. Um, it's really good. Aged in a... How many of these crimes did you drink before we started recording? I honestly have only had two sips, but I'm about to chug this glass because I'm a little nervous and, you know, nothing like a little alcohol to just get those jitters out, girl. Um, I'm also not wearing a bra and I'm feeling great. What are you guys sipping on? Let me know. How's your week been? Let's talk, guys. Um, I'm actually drinking beer. I'm feeling very rough around the edges. No, I, like, found a couple beers for my, like, father-in-law, boyfriend's dad that were, like, brewed in Miami because he's a big beer connoisseur. So I tried to make him his own six-pack and whatever the leftovers are, that's what I have left in my budget to drink because my alcohol budget went to him. Um, I'm just um, having the White Claw, as usual. So, keeping it simple. I am on my bullshit and I'm drinking this red blend because, I swear to God, this, the red blends are on clearance, guys. Like, I stand by what I said <laughs> in the other episode so this is a red blend i don't know what it is but it's robert mandavi just oh that's a good one i'm drinking a bud light seltzer they were bogo at publix but um yeah black bud light seltzer black cherry so this is gonna be a ride (laughs) is it me or does the black cherry flavor on literally anything taste good like literally it tastes like a white claw it tastes tastes so good so good it's funny because so I'm at the beach right now with my family and on Sunday on Father's Day, my dad had three and he's like, whoa, this is a trip. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, this is stronger than my natty light. And I was just like, yeah, dad. Then his natty and light. Then, and he's like, whoa. And I'm just like, oh God, here we go. I'm drinking Cabernet today. So you switched it up on us today. Um, I'm actually usually a red girl. I've just been... Red mix has been making me a little red lately. Um, decided to go back to the roots, you know? So here we are. Is it part of your mom's membership? <laughs> no, not this week. I got bitched out last week. So. <laughs> <laughs> I woke literally, my mom woke me up at like 7 a.m. to yell at me about that bottle of wine. So I do love a good flush, though, from the red wine. Like after you've had a, like two glasses, and you're like, oh, everything's warm and everything's great. It's my favorite. During the winter? I yeah, I wine. love a... I, I'm the girl that will definitely drink red wine in the middle of summer. It's like 90 degrees outside and I'm still drinking red wine. So for this week's topic, I actually want it to be a little cultured. This week's topic is immigration. If y'all have been watching the news or not. Um, but recently, the Supreme Court did rule... Uh, that DACA, and we'll get into all of this juicy deets in just a moment, they ruled that the current administration may not proceed with its plan um, to kind of get rid of the program. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But before we do, I want to give a little quick, fun, flirtatious disclaimer. We are not really factual-based. This is all opinion-based. This is for shits and giggles. We're just shooting the shit just a bunch of friends. Um, if we are your main source of news, then maybe you should reevaluate um, where you're getting your news from. <laughs> oh because God. we're just gonna Agreed. be we're just gonna be talking. This is really opinion based. We're um, not CNN. We are no. We're your source we of intellectual content. No. Reevaluate. Yes, I mean but. we we could all be wrong. Uh, there is a couple Google searches involved in today's topic, but aside from that, we don't really know a lot of shit, and that's the whole point. We're here to talk some yeah. shit. So. Without further ado, I'd like to open up to the floor. Let's all get a nice big gulp of wine uh, slash beer. And let's talk about immigration. This is fun. Um, Do you know an immigrant? Are you an immigrant? Are you a part of a family of immigrants? What do you feel an immigrant is? Like, just tell me everything, guys. I think with the exception of Joss, we are all like first or second generation immigrants, right? Hello. And some of us are not even first generation. Some of us are like actual immigrants. Right. And then then, then we get our two immigrants. So for the people out there listening that don't know, um, I myself am an immigrant. Uh, 
first generation. Well, I guess, I don't know. I guess I would have been born here. I wouldn't be first generation. My parents lived in the States and then they moved back to Colombia and then I was born and then we moved back. So, mm. No, so you're an immigrant. First generation immigrant would be like- Would be your kids. So I'm an immigrant, period. At a period at the yeah, end right. of the day. Right, your title. No yep. comma, period. Um, yeah, and it's been fun. It's been quite a ride. Um, not that you're asking, Vanessa's also an immigrant, and we'll jump into her story in just a minute. She Vanessa actually was like, she's a double immigrant. She was like, hey, Vanessa, you too. She is, though, you know, and she's my neighbor. She's from my neighbor from down under or down south, down under South Australia. Australia. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> not from New Zealand. <laughs> Vanessa and I are neighbors of countries. She's from Venezuela. I'm from Colombia. You know, we got along really well. But um, yeah, so that's pretty much my story. Uh, I came here when I was five and I've been here ever since. It's been quite the ride. Um, like I mentioned, my parents were here prior, so my parents grew up here, but then they moved back because they wanted to, you know, rekindle with their <laughs> roots. And yeah, I know, Joss, you're not an immigrant yourself, but do you know, I know you have a lot of friends aside from us that are immigrants. What's your experience with immigrants? It doesn't have to be Hispanic immigrants. You know, it could be like European immigrants, Asian immigrants. I feel like growing up in South Florida, like I was always around people who've immigrated to the country whether or not i knew firsthand or not um so i don't necessarily have like any negative feeling because i feel like some people like have negative feelings towards uh, immigrants i feel like i grew up around immigrants so you guys are probably the most that i know in terms of their stories of like actually how they immigrated to the country i'm all for immigration if you want to come to america if you want to be an American, like, go for it. I mean, there's more than enough space here and more than enough opportunity. So I've always been for immigration. I've never looked down on um, people who have, who have immigrated to this country. I mean, I'm Black, so we've been here for about 400 years. You could say we're kind of immigrants if you really want, but <laughs> we weren't, we didn't come here intentionally. So that's a different story. But yeah, so I mean, I'm all for immigration. So I don't have a problem with it. Thank you, Joss. You're welcome. I have a different story compared to Jeanette's. So my family wasn't living in the States prior. My family would always vacation in the States when we lived in Venezuela. And my dad, he was actually in the military in Venezuela. He was a Navy pilot. And he knew that Chavez was going to come into power. He, for as a history lesson, he was a dictator at the time and he passed away. And now we have an even crazier dictator now. But um, my dad knew he was going to come into power. And he's like, this country is going to turn into a shitstorm. Like, I don't want to raise my kids here. And that was always a topic of conversation between my mom and my dad. And we came to the States, I think in 1998 for Christmas and New Year's. Like it was just vacation. And my parents obviously tell me the story now. I was too young to comprehend everything going on. But my dad, I guess, like kissed my mom like a New Year's kiss and was like, do you want to stay here? And my mom's just like, let's just sh do it. And my parents, we went back, we like packed up our things, sold our stuff. And then we came back and we stayed. And we've been here ever since. There was some moves around. So I immigrated to Canada while during that time. But we came back to the States and love North America. Lots of opportunities. That's wild. Yeah, lots of opportunities. Well, I went back to Venezuela when I was 19. And I remember my grandfather, he's a college professor. And he was telling me, he's like, you have no idea how blessed you are to be where you are, to receive the education you're receiving. Because he's like, this country, like... It, it is like a communist state, basically. So he's like, what they teach the kids now in school is just completely controlled. And he's just like, you have no idea that you're actually learning something. You're actually getting an education. You're going to be able to get a job and actually thrive. And he's like, in this country, you wouldn't have. And I have cousins so, now, like cousins that stayed in Venezuela. And they're just like, you have, you're so lucky. Like, you're so lucky. You're my, you're like, you lucked. I think it's funny that your dad like first was like hey do you want to stay here and then stay in america and then he goes went to canada he was like let's do it again let's go somewhere <laughs> else yeah literally but, that's funny. i mean i guess vanna this is like a little bit of a hard question because you could only talk to your family but i feel like a lot of colombian or venezuelans that i spoke to it was the same kind of deal when castro took over cuba same kind of a lot of people thought that the promises were great and weren't necessarily like a problem 
Like, do mm-hmm. you feel like that is a lot of the stuff that you heard? Because obviously, whatever I'm hearing is like secondhand. Your dad was obviously the opposite of that. But like, what was the climate? If you can remember, like, were people open to Chavez taking over or you just have you don't know? So from what I know, because I left when I was so young, I left when I was right. four, it was never going to be what what it is today. It was never going to be like that. And I don't think anyone expected it to get like that. People knew that he was crazy in what he believed in, what Chavez believed in, but no one would have ever thought it would have gone to this point. And honestly, like the dictator that came after Chavez is much worse. I feel like he's the one that got the country to where it is today, at least with Chavez. And like, I am not, I never believed in what he said or anything like that, but he did do some good things. I, I'm speaking of from what I've heard from like aunts and uncles and my parents and things like that. I think no one knew it was more of those things that my dad was just like, he always came, like he always came as a kid to the States. Cause I have an aunt here who's lived in since the seventies. So my dad always saw himself coming back to the States mm-hmm. and my mom, she was like, I'm not moving to the States. She's like, I'm fine in Venezuela. But then when things started getting worse, my mom was just like, okay, like we're not going to raise our kids here. I mean, I know that you're like I said, or like Jeanette said, this is not an intellectual podcast by any means, yeah. but I feel like, <laughs> There are a lot of similarities in Venezuela's history and what Cuba's reality is now in the sense of like, and I think that anytime that a country has political unrest, they turn to something so drastically different because they want a change. And that's just my very small one intro to political science class talking. So my dad is a first generation immigrant. He came to the States when he was 15. And the way he phrases it is like, everyone was welcoming a change like they were under a a somewhat dictatorship rule from Batista and they did not like this ruler so they were welcoming someone like Castro who was going to make everything fair for them and people that had been wronged in the eyes of or that in their eyes had been wronged by Batista were going to get a chance to live this great life and then I think the stories that I get from my family my grandma was all for it until they would hand out like pamphlets of information. Like, so what you could expect from the new government. And it said, there was a line that said, your children belong to the state. It was almost like um, at 18, they would serve the cup. You know, the country would kind of decide where they would go in terms of Providence or whatever. And my grandma was like, absolutely not. I bred them. I pushed them out. I carried them for nine months. My children belong to no one but me. And then I think that that was the first time that she herself was like, "Eh, I'm not really a fan of this. And then with time, it got worse. And then that's when she, I think that's when she was kind of like, okay, like, it's time, it's time to go. And it wasn't that easy. But yeah, so I always like, look at Venezuela, because I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm getting my history confused, but Chavez and Castro were pretty like, yeah, they were good friends. Buddy, buddy. Yeah, they were buddy. Oh, they were really good friends. Him. They were. They, they were to Cuba. Tight. Right, exactly. But it, and it's crazy because I don't know. It's it's two different lands that have suffered the same fate. It's so sad. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of. Yeah, we hope it doesn't get to that in Venezuela. We hope the young people are the ones who hopefully are going to get it to a good place. Yeah, I, I hope I hope Venezuela doesn't get to Cuba. It's it's really sad. And I know like Cuba and Venezuela, I know, have like a big agreement currently with like their doctors and nurses. So like they'll ship a lot of their doctors and nurses over. Cuba will ship their doctors and nurses over to Venezuela. But yeah, my family, I'm second generation on my mom's side. Um, so my mom was actually born here three months after my grandmother and my grandfather came over from Cuba. But I mean, they waited three more months. Mom would have been Cuban all the way through although i wasn't so close to the immigration myself like i grew up in south florida so i've I've grown up around a lot of other people who were really close or who like were either born here and their parents were born here or were born in other countries and came over really quickly after it's kind of cool how we all have different perspectives on on things natalie what about you i know you were born here um so you are first generation but i know your mom is from costa rica your dad i'm pretty sure is from honduras so let's hear a little bit about them, their trajectory, their path. Yeah, so <clears throat> my parents actually have a wild story. And my dad grew up in, in Honduras, yeah. And he, my dad was like a farm boy, like out in, you know, not many people know much about Honduras. It is a very poor country. It's, my dad grew up on a farm with his family. And with both of my parents, they had, you know, the idea of, of something bigger and better for themselves. And then this is actually the craziest story. My dad, at 19 years old, he knew someone that worked at the airport. 
him and one of his friends were like, can you get us a ticket to the United States? Like, just get us out of here. We're done. We're, we're over this. We want something more. And the guy at the airport got them a one-way ticket to New York. And him and his friend hopped on a flight and they never looked back. I mean, obviously they did. That's that's such a ridiculous thing. Like you obviously look, I mean, I guess if you, if you don't have anyone, if you like don't have anyone you care about back there, yeah, but like his entire family's over there. So I, I'm sure he looks back a couple times, like on the plane. But anyway. But after that, he never looked back. But, but yeah, I'm sure to say he hasn't looked back once. Anyway. So they went to New York and my dad lived in Long Island for 10 years and did not know a word of English when he got over here literally worked by just like walking into stores and like telling people like I'll work for food and for money. And my mom, on the other hand, my mom read a lot when she was younger. She always told us that like she would read about like New York and, and California and Florida and all these places. And she just always knew that. She wasn't meant for that life. Not that her life in Costa Rica was bad by any means. Like, I, you know, I love to go visit and she loves her family over there. But she just knew the opportunities that she wanted to have for herself weren't there. So she actually came to Florida. She had one person she knew in the United States. And lo and behold, that person somehow lived in Port Charlotte, Florida. So (laughs) my dad actually had business down in Florida. He came down. He also somehow knew someone in Port Charlotte, the two of them met through a mutual friend, and literally they all like moved into a house together. Long story short, someone was like, I have a house, who wants to move in here? And my mom was like, Oh, me and her friend were gonna move in, and my dad was like, Oh, him and his friend were gonna move in, and they all met because the boy and the girl on the other side were siblings. So they were like, Oh, I have a friend, I have a friend, and yeah, my parents moved into a house together. And then they dated shortly after that. And then they got married and had us. So that's a that cute little love story. story. That is super but cute. I mean, isn't that so cute? And we just found that out. And it was so dramatic how they told us. It was during Thanksgiving this year. And we were like <laughs> asking my mom. We were just like, mom, it doesn't make sense. Because like one day she told me they met at a party. And then one day she told us that they met at like someone's wedding. And then my dad was like, Julie, it's time that they know the truth. And I was like, the oh truth? Oh, my God. <laughs> what, the, what is the truth? I was like, oh, my God. Someone's adopted. Like, oh, my God. These are not my parents. Like, oh, God, I can't handle it. My emotions, my anxiety. I'm dying. Was like, and my mom told us how they lived together, like, before they started dating. And I was like, she, They probably didn't tell you that because they didn't want like move in or you or your brothers to move in like premarital kind of thing. Of yeah, course. Because they're, yeah. they're, they're very traditional. Exactly, exactly. Whoops, so I've been living in sin for some time now. You really yeah, have. It's okay. I know. Don't tell my mom. So it's fine. Just tell just tell Julieta that you max their friends and then later <laughs> tell them they're, they're just friends. Max they're is just a gay friends. friend that she lives with. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's my roommate in the same room. <laughs> hey, rent's expensive. <laughs> I think Shayla's but, more of a roommate than anything. By the way, Shayla's my dog. She's a schnauzer. Now, I'd like to ask the group something. When you hear DACA or dreamers as they are popularly known what comes to mind i mean we all went to the same school so it was what the largest school when i was in school i think now it's the second largest school university in the nation so we had a lot of like foreign exchange students but you know we also had a lot of different kinds of students whether they were from florida or from out of state or whatever. So did you guys ever meet anyone that was a part of the DACA program? Now, before we jump into the stories, I do want to clarify DACA stands for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And like I said, it's also known as Dreamers. This is basically for anyone that doesn't know, it's a program that was instated. And it's in hopes of relieving deportation. It's kind of to protect the people that are eligible, immigrants that are eligible, um, that were pretty much brought here when they were younger by their parents and that's kind of a nutshell of what the program is now who's going to tell me a story about daca i mean i don't really have a story i will just say that again living in florida i'm sure first first of all let's just start off by saying that i think knowing someone's status of whether or not they're daca is a very like personal um status I, yeah, I agree. Think people, I don't think people really go around like yelling through the like to the roofs at like to the sky <laughs> that they're 
or whatever whatever that saying is yelling that they're daca you know what i mean so there's there's a strong possibility that i've come across i mean again i live in florida i mean i grew up in florida there's a strong possibility that i've come across several people who are part of the daca um act the thing is is that i don't feel like people really openly talk about it which i don't blame people for not really wanting to openly talk about um talk about it i didn't really know what it was until maybe college if i remember correctly i don't think the act was even put into place until maybe like end of high school college yeah 2012 yeah so it's that's that's what i was thinking about 2013 uh 2012 2013 so i i didn't know much about it when it was first put into place i think i learned more so from you guys that's really my experience with it and to clarify not that we need to but none of us in this group ever held uh daca standing i guess or do we currently um this is just something that we want to talk about today all right go ahead vanessa when i hear daca i think of opportunity that's like the first thing i think of i one of my best friends is a daca recipient and i'm not going to share her story just out of that's her private matter but she's the one i didn't know for a very very long time and when she told me i was like okay cool like she's just like anyone else she moved to the states and i think she was like two or three years old she was very very young now with her working or with her being protected with daca she went to an amazing private school in texas she works at a major company now and she has all those opportunities because of daca she even says that she's like if i didn't have this she's like i would not know where i would be today she's like i would have not gone these opportunities i wouldn't have gone to the college i wanted to go to and study the things that i would have wanted to go to and that's just a personal thing. So my immigration case, I'm not going to go into detail out of respect for my parents. But if we hadn't moved to Canada when we had, I technically would have been DACA because our case had wouldn't have gone through in time when I would have become a resident. So I think DACA sort of for me is like a sweet spot because I'm just like, that could have been me. And I know so many people who are under it and are protected by it. Sort of what Josh was saying, not a lot of people like to talk about it, which is totally fine. Like, I'm just talking now about my immigration status because I'm a citizen now, so I feel much more comfortable talking about it. But when I was younger, I never wanted to. It was like a hush-hush sort of thing because you want to fit in. You want you don't want other people to know that you're different because it's a sad thing, but people do judge you. Going back to the DACA thing, I do see it as an opportunity, and I'm I'm happy that it was extended for another couple years. Yeah, I'm kind of with Joss on this one. I don't personally, I don't think I know anybody under DACA, um, and if I do, it's not it's not really ever anything that's come up in conversation but yeah i don't i don't really think i know anyone personally or like within my family who's been in who's been in under daca so i actually know a handful of people um i was involved in student government during my time in college and so i met a lot of people with different stories some people that came from their own respective company uh, jesus christ <laughs> i'm sorry let me Are you drunk <laughs> I a little. I chugged. Jeanette said chug and I did it. Anyway, sorry. Um, and I'm eating a salad, so it's not like that's really absorbing Damn. the alcohol in my stomach. Anyway. Yeah, you're really struggling. It's okay. Continue your, your DACA speech. I know, and I'm really like trying to be there for them, and I'm trying to be strong. So, so you left off at the point where you were talking about people's companies. So the CEOs and the, the CFOs, go ahead. And then they became CEOs, and that's my entire story. <laughs> anyway, no, I actually met a handful of people that were at DACA recipients, and, and I had no idea what DACA was until I went to college. Again, it's really not something that is discussed or talked about, and even like Vanessa said, a lot of people don't really you know, parade around the fact that they're from other countries, and, and it's sad, honestly, in some aspect that people feel like they can't, you know, honor the place that they came from because they feel like they're going to be judged. But I was still in college when they were discussing when the administration wanted to get rid of it and wanted to, you know, cut the scholarships and awards that DACA students were going to get. And while in student government, we worked to create some bills or, and we sat down with the administration. We, we had a lot of talks about why DACA was so important. We actually went up to Tallahassee at the state capitol and asked them, we asked them on behalf of UCF to sponsor these resolutions. They get passed on behalf of the university. And we met with a lot of representatives and sat down and explained to them why DACA was so important to us. And 
I think being in that room for those conversations and just hearing people's, you know, cries because they wanted DACA so bad just so they could finish going to school, you know, just so they could get their education that all of us were so lucky to have. And I think that's something that people forget is education and just having the access to it is not as easy as it seems yet for some of us. It's just getting a letter and then you're off to college. But for some people, you know, they have to kick and scream and even now beg to just be able to finish their degree. So it's definitely something that I've put on myself to learn so much more about. And I think when you do meet people that, you know, don't even know if they can register for the next semester of school because they don't know if they're going to still be in this country, it really tugs at your heartstrings and just makes you so grateful for what you do have. So this is definitely something that I've seen firsthand how it affects people. And it's definitely something that I care a lot about. Yeah, I don't think I know anyone that was a DACA student either. I think it's kind of a testament to our, whatever you want to call it, good fortune, blessedness, whatever, that even having friends that have been immigrants themselves and first-generation immigrants, we don't think, not, I don't want to say we don't think about it because obviously we think about it, we're talking about it, but that it's a little bit more removed. I think Vanessa's has the closest experience where she, her, one of her good friends was a DACA student. I didn't even know DACA was a thing until I got to UCF. Just because it was the first time that I heard it being spoken off or spoken of in the news at all. Yeah, no, I don't remember hearing much about it until we got to UCF. Yeah, I don't remember hearing but about then again, it like, being enacted. Um, yeah. It was actually first proposed in 2001, mm-hmm. but it wasn't through until the Obama administration. So, but 2012. 2012. Okay, so I would have been a senior in high school, which yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to say like your age is a is a excuse for not being informed. But unless you're actively seeking out this information, you wouldn't have known it was a thing until you were around peers that might have been possibly affected by it. I think we're all kind of on the same boat with the exception of Vanessa like, and Natalie of knowing someone personally who was like open to talking about, maybe not to the world, but at least to you two, that mm-hmm. they were, you know, dealing with this. I just want to say, I don't think there's anything wrong with someone wanting to keep their immigration status to themselves i think it's a very um it's personal it's a very personal thing and i'm not saying it's something people should be ashamed of because i don't necessarily think it's something to be ashamed of at all but it's a very personal thing so i understand why people don't want to run around saying like yelling hey i'm a dog personal but i also think of it as like in my perspective, maybe I can have this opinion because I'm not in that situation. So I don't know what it's like to be personally like self-conscious of this or, or aware of this, but like, it's the same thing as like, I don't think you should be ashamed of any way that you got to college. Like you got there and that's great. And however, whether it was financial aid or whether it's loans or whether it's regardless, like that's something to be proud of because the university still had to accept you and you still had to make moves to get there. And, but I understand that people hold their immigration status personally and it's a touchy subject and if they don't want to say anything then I respect that I agree I think that the the thing too is that and sometimes I think it might be that we take this for granted but a lot of times and and you guys have touched on it lately you know being someone that someone who's a part of the DACA program uh, you can almost be judged and I like Mm -hmm. I, I don't have firsthand experience with this but I feel like you know someone can threaten you you know like oh well you know, we saw you, I don't know. I didn't think of that. Yeah, we saw you underage drinking. Oh, now that's in question. You know, like, hello, we have all underage drink. So I just feel like you can be, I don't know, we can all take that for granted. So number one, someone can blackmail you, someone can threaten you, someone can judge you, someone can do so much. But the other thing too is that being a dreamer doesn't guarantee you to be a citizen or a resident of this country. So you can pretty much put a target on your back. You know, yep. a lot of the times we don't know, you know, Florida's a very diverse state. I grew up in LA, which is also predominantly, depending on what area you live in, you have a lot of Hispanic, Mexican, Latino community. So I haven't lived in like North Dakota where I can be like, I feel, you know, we have a saying in Spanish that's like, I feel like a fly in milk, you know, like you just feel like you're just there out in the open. So I don't know. It, it, it could be very different for everyone. Now, I do want to ask you guys, and I know that people feel very passionately about this, but I have heard in general in conversations 
Um, people say, oh, well, I'm fine with people coming to this country, but why do they have to do it illegally, right? And I know, Amanda, you have a story, your family did it the quote-unquote correct way, but how do you guys feel about that? Like, do you feel that these people shouldn't be allowed, or this group of people should not be allowed, or any immigrant in general should not be allowed in if they do things incorrectly? What is your thought process behind that? And it's a loaded question, so like, take it with a grain of salt. Annette, that's a question. That is Don't, a very like, loaded question. It's a loaded question, but I ask it for a reason. I have like a purpose behind this. So if you don't want to speak on it, that's fine. I know some of us, certain things we can't speak intelligently to, and I respect that. So if you want to keep quiet, that's cool. But if you do want to voice your concern, go ahead. It's a very different thing to say DACA students, people who were brought into this country unwillingly, by their parents should be treated in the same because there was no choice in that respect. So I don't think that you can judge them the same, you know, the same way that you can, you know, like they're kids and they do what their kids, their parents tell them to do. And their parents are ultimately responsible for the choices that were done before they were even old enough to much less decide whether they were going to break a law or, or not. Um, and I don't want to be nitpicky here, but I think the way you phrase the question is a little bit more loaded than you intended to be. Just my bad. No, it's not your fault. It's, I mean, for a lot of people, it is the same thing. And you're like, no, illegal from your parents is a legal period. And a lot of people feel that way. I think there's a difference. And I think that um, children are children. And the same way that you would honor and respect your own kids, you should res- honor and respect kids in general. You should do it to people anyway. But I mean, I feel like kids, it's like you can almost not fucking argue that it's a child um however and i can only speak to my experience and i know that we've all had even in both you and vanessa and i'm saying you Jeanette, because i'm directing it to your question you guys are both immigrants and your stories are so different so i can only speak to my experience and what i've been told and what my family's gone through i mean we can talk about how there were concentration camps my grandmother applied for leave and my grandfather was held as collateral for two years and he worked at rice fields catching pneumonia multiple times. And he was there until it was time for them to leave. And he was held as like living collateral. Like they won't leave because if they leave without our granted permission, we'll kill him. So it was almost like a bounty over your head or some sort of like dangling carrot. Um, But in her respect and in her mind, and I have to give her credit, she said, I'm not going to put my family at risk. And whether that means I'm going to stay here and wait patiently until my time. And she by no means had it easy waiting. If they came to your house and they took inventory and they said, you have one pencil and two pens, two blue pens. When you get ready to move out of the country, you need to turn in one pencil and two blue pens. And if you said, you know, my pencil broke, here are the pieces. You had to turn in the pieces to that pencil because you had to show proof that you had the pencil. If you didn't, you owed the state something and you weren't allowed to leave. And that was the same for cups and plates. So it's not like it was an easy decision to choose to stay despite the persecution for wanting to leave. But I respect her for, you know, saying, I'm not going to get to this new country and have even more of an obstacle because I'm trying to flee to be free. And if I, if I go in doing something quote unquote wrong by the laws of the state I'm moving to, then I'm no longer, I'm not escaping for freedom. I'm going from one persecution to another. So I respect her decision to do that. I think it's the best way you can guarantee your ability to move on and to grow. And it's not even really a guarantee. It's just, respect, in my opinion, the best way to start a new life is to start on a clean slate. I like how you broke up my very uh, hefty question. So I appreciate that. Um, And Natalie, did you want to share a story of your own? Yeah, so to be honest, like I grew up very sheltered i grew up very not knowing the the logistics of it i honestly just thought anybody could come anybody could move to any country they wanted to and if they worked and if they wanted to go to school they'd go to school and if they lived their life and they got a house like that was it like that's really how the idea of just like immigration and moving places and and just like migrating was always brought to me in my thought process i was just like okay my parents didn't want to stay in their countries anymore. So they knew to come here and start a new life. And I never once like 
I guess I, I do obviously understand my parents are immigrants, but they don't, you know, I think sometimes some people turn their backs to the place that they come from and, and they maybe sometimes act like this is my home now. But I think sometimes you can have it both and you can honor both places that you are currently residing in and the place that you came from. So I think for my parents, when they came, they became naturalized. So my parents are citizens, you know, they went through the whole process and that's been ever since I was born. I think they knew in the back of their minds. And honestly, a lot of this comes too from just being educated on it. And also times are just so different now, you know, like I'm sure if someone told me that I could move to America and just stay here without any consequences and not have to go through the paperwork and not have to become a citizen, like, yeah, maybe I would do it that way. Is it definitely smarter to actually become a citizen and go through all the how hard it is to do it? Then, yeah, you should definitely go it that way. But I, I definitely don't blame people that came here, you know, 20, 30 years ago because it was it was such a different place. We'll say America is the melting pot. Like we invited people from other countries. And the fact that today we're almost in a way shunning them or, or punishing them for doing such a thing is, is really crazy. So I think my parents have always taught us to you know, they taught us our heritage, they reminded us of where we came from. And I think that's something that's really important to me is not forgetting, you know, their past and their history and that they didn't have it as good as we did growing up. I thank God to this day that my parents did make that decision to become citizens because it is really hard right now. And I know one girl I knew in college, her mom came from Mexico. And when everything kicked off, she really was so scared. I can't even imagine what the feeling is to think about one day you're going to come home and your parents are no longer there. Some people had to have that thought because again, her parents came and they just pushed it off and pushed it off and they were put in that situation. So I thank God my parents didn't do that. I mean, I guess I understand it, but I think feel like America just, we stand for being so diverse and being a place that people can feel included. And I hope that continues. I think it's very touchy to say there is a right way to do anything when it comes to this country. I think like I've tried to put myself in my parents' shoes and I'm just like, if my kid was dying, I'm going to try to take them to the best hospital in the world. So I sort of think about my parents are just like, we can't raise our kids here. We're going to do everything that's possible to get them to this country. Now as an adult, I credit a lot of the things that my parents like coming to a country where they did not speak the language. My Mm -hmm. mom was an auditor. She worked at a great company. She was making great money. We had a great apartment in Caracas and my parents dropped everything. My mom cleaned bathrooms. My dad worked on a farm and cleaned up horse shit. And they did it knowing that, you know what? My kid one day is going to go to a university where they're going to have this job and they're going to work here, here, here. Like I remember when my parents first came to visit me in New York, they came to my office and I work down at the World Trade Center. And I remember I took my parents up to the rooftop just to like get a view of Fidei. And my dad whispered it to my brother. I didn't hear it. And he's like, holy shit, it was worth it. He doesn't know that I heard him, but I like my eyes just like immediately welled up because I'm just like all the sacrifices, all the things that they went through. They look now at their kids and they're just like, wow, like look at what my kids are doing now. And like it, every single move, every single job, was worth it. So I think it's a little hard to say like, oh, this is the right way. This It's like everyone just wants to be somewhere and make something out of themselves. And I think this country offers so many opportunities. And that's why I'm so about DACA. That's why I'm so about immigration. Like, obviously, there has to be steps where like background checks, criminal checks. Obviously, we like we want to make it the safest process as possible. At least how I see it. I was just like, we need immigrants. This country was built on immigrants. And we can't turn our backs to those people. Make it too, louder you know? to, for the people in the back. <laughs> right. Yes. yes. This country yes. was built on immigrants. In case yes. And I'm guys Joss. Didn't know. In yes. Case All of us kind of jumping off of what Jocelyn said. You know that Statue of Liberty in New York? It's a symbol. Like it's at, at the and I honestly don't know exactly what it says, but at the very bottom it says, Give me your poor, give me your needy, like give me the people. At one point that was the Irish, and at one point that was the Italian. You know, it, it's it's ever changing, much like America. You know, that's what makes us who we are, is just being so diverse and being a melting pot. If you look at a quarter and you flip it in the back, it says e pluribus unum, which is Latin from many to one. And that's 
straight up the definition of this country. You come from many countries to form a nation. Um, Vanessa, your story really touched me. I need a <laughs> minute to collect my thoughts. I was literally <laughs> creeping. I do also want to share with you guys some fun, interesting facts. Um, you know, I'm always supporting my fellow Colombians. So for those of you that don't know, Ritza Ramos, she's one of the characters. Oh my gosh, her story. You're, are you about Whoa. to talk about Oh my God. I'm about that. to give you like a brief synopsis of her story. So she was born in New Jersey. Her parents are Colombian. Her whole family is Colombian. I'm pretty sure she has older sibling. They were living in Boston when this happened. And she went to school. She was born here in the States. She comes from a Colombian immigrant family. She went to school, came back home, and everybody was gone. Her parents, her sibling, siblings, she pretty much was like, I think, 15, 16. She was a teenager. I'm sure she had friends, family, help, neighbors. Imagine that's And that's the reality of a dog. And like Amanda mentioned earlier, these children, whether they're two months old or whatever age they are, you know, you can't really make a choice. I, I mean, I'm fucking 25. I'll be 26 in a month i can't make a fucking choice so you know i it's hard for me to hold a child accountable for the choices that somebody made for them so that's what i'm saying you know coming home to the reality of not having your mom your dad being a teen and although she was born here and that's her country i mean i'm so i would have left i would have been like mom i'm on the Wait, next flight i'm sorry can you clarify what happened to her family where they take like they were, were they... deported they were deported oh, back deported. to colombia they, they were deported, in fact, and I'm pretty sure her family still resides in Colombia. I'm sure they come visit, but I don't think that her family ever moved back here. USAFacts.org, close to 400,000 people as of 2019 are DACA recipients. So that's a lot of people. Based on 2014 reports, again, this is like a long time ago, but it's hard for the census to track who's illegal and who's legal because... A lot of people don't want to say, hey, I'm illegal for obvious reasons. Based on 2014, that about 12 million, 120,000 people are unauthor unauthorized immigrant people in the United States. And just to help you out, Jeanette, because I work yes. with the census. No, you're not allowed to be asked on the census what your legal status is. So they legally, you're, they're not allowed to ask you. I um, think recently they were trying to. They were trying to. This administration yeah. was trying to ask you. And the Supreme Court denied it because what we were talking about earlier can't put a target on someone's back. And a lot of people, because the census is done house by house, and a lot of people, like, they will deny. They're like, no, I don't want to share my information because it's, it's scary. Like, they don't want that information. They don't know what it can, it can be done with. I also want to mention that in certain states, like Texas, I believe, is one of them, there's a certain law, and I don't know the name of it, but if you get pulled over for, like, speeding, rolling a stop sign, whatever, they have the right to ask you. Mm-hmm you know, if you are a citizen. And in some states, that's like, Ooh. and in like the state of Florida, it, your status is on your ID. So if you're is ever pulled really? over, yeah. So if you're ever pulled over by a cop, it, when they scan it in the car, the status will come up. But does it show on the actual ID or it's just like a scan no. on the barcode? It's okay. just a scannable oh, thing. Oh, okay. Because when I became a citizen, I had to go to the DMV okay. and get a brand new license. That's yeah. wild. I did not yeah. know. Jenna, I yeah. think Arizona is also a state that... Um, yes, a lot of the border uh, states. I kind of want to say something to Vanessa's comment because I don't want it to seem that because the word right was used that I don't think that the sacrifice is not valid because regardless of whether you came the quote unquote, not my definition, legally versus unlegally, the sacrifice is still the same. You know, I mean, I think that Cuban immigrants had a past because of a lot of issues with their alignment to the USSR, a lack of recognizing a communist regime, and a lot of things were put in place for the Cuban government um, or for Cuban exiles that weren't put in place for everybody else. Everybody, well, I'm not going to say everybody knows what foot dry foot was a thing, but for those of you who don't know what foot dry foot was a thing, it was put in place to kind of um, help Cuban immigrants that were claiming asylum from. So it was this thing called CAA that allowed a Cuban immigrant who had been in the States for a year to apply for citizenship um, or residency. And when relations with the Cuban government turned south, then wet foot dry foot became a thing where if Cuba is 90 miles away from the Key West shore, so if you were caught 
by the Coast Guard on water. You were sent back to Cuba. If you were able to make it on land, you were given automatic residency um, and you were automatically done legally. That was to ease some of the exiles trying to leave because people were making the, the raft trip. I just remember, sorry to interrupt you. No, just go ahead. I just remember growing up watching Channel 7. Shout out to WSVN. Um, <laughs> like, it's just crazy to think about, like, eight year, like seven, eight years old and, like, seeing people literally, like, on the news landing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Soil. I mean, yeah. And and I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I always thought wet foot, dry foot, and this is something my family's talked about. Again, we're not immigrants, so like, I feel like you can take our opinions with a grain of salt if you wish. I always thought wet foot, dry foot was controversial, just because I always thought I I always thought that it was unfair that act was put into place for Cubans. But it wasn't put like, but I would always see like Haitians or Dominican, like they were coming over on boats as well and making like a longer journey than the Cubans. So like, while I thought it was great, like if you can make it, it was almost like the fucking Hunger Games. Like if you can make it. Right. If you can get to the finish line, you deserve You get to stay. But I'm like these other Mm -hmm. people who make it, the Haitians, the Dominicans, whoever else, there's probably other people who are coming via boat. boat. You were sent back if you got caught. So I always thought wet foot, dry foot was controversial, controversial. And I always thought like those images definitely have stuck with me throughout my life because channel seven was definitely there was a time in the early 2000s they they didn't care they went all in it was like every other day believe it believe it or not joss being in california i would hear stories my parents would watch primer impacto for those of us primer impacto and al rojo for those of you that don't know think of It's like afternoon Ooh, news, Maria, but they not big. And it's the most dramatic. So a little background story. My preschool used to call me Maria Celeste because I knew all the drama going on between the fucking teachers. I would tell Damn. one, I would tell all. Oh my God. Juan, Abuela, and, and she was, was and she so was El Rojo Vivo. It just means like it's like hot, like red hot. Red hot. Yes, yeah. thank you. Um, and it was fucking so juicy. They would make the most random shit the news. And it was like fucking dramatic. And then yeah. Primer Impacto, which means like first impact. It's like, it was like, everything was like, oh my God, like the fucking end of the world. So anyway, my parents used to watch Primer Impacto and then Al Rojo And I was like, damn, damn, damn. And I was like five, six. And I would see, oh my God, these wild stories. I remember one vividly. There was this little boy who was literally my age, like four, five years old. And he was on a raft. And I already know which one you're talking about. Yes. Are you going to talk about Elian? Elian Gonzalez, right it there. Elian been Gonzalez. Him. It might have been him. But the I was like, took oh on, my God. On. What a legend. Well, they come yeah. I remember, where I remember is he? that. Can Oprah do a where are they now? On he became Castro's godson. Like, it was, yeah, he, he it got was on such a boat. What happened was he got on a boat. Excuse me? I want to say his mom put him on a boat. His parents were divorced. His mom or someone, he got on his a boat mom. and his mom died at sea. She fell mm-hmm. off the raft and she passed away. And he made Whoa, it. Whoa, this is the... She yeah, made how it. How you not? This is like... Yeah. Is like a, he's like a yeah. Miami legend. I'm not even... Yeah. Okay, I mean, she was in California. Miami, she was like, here. This was some shit. This no. was heard across the nation. Yeah, yeah, she died at sea. He made it to Miami. So by wet foot, dry foot laws, he was a U.S. resident. It. His uncle his was here. Father, his, his uncle was here, was willing to sponsor him, take him in. His father, who was back in Cuba, said he needed him back. And there was a huge civil case, or not civil case, um, international case with the U.S. government versus the Cuban government. I don't know how, what happened, but because that was his father, they ended up shipping him back to Cuba. And he <laughs> yeah, remember, the, would, remember that picture of him hiding in the closet? In the closet, yeah. yeah so they, they came like, in the And they had the US, gun in the little kid's face. The guard. Like, oh my I God, he's like eight. Yeah, yeah it, was, like, it was definitely, I, I remember even seeing I was like five. And I so he went back that. to yeah. Cuba? Yeah, yeah, they yeah, sent him yeah. back. They Here, wait, I'll give, you a quick little, like a, I'll give you a quick little story. So he went back to Cuba. They did a story on him not too long ago. He ended up going back to Cuba. And they set him up really well. Like the reason that he went back was because his dad and Castro sort of became really good buddies because of everything that went down. And from what I understand now, he's really quite like high up. He's like, I'm not gonna say he's the right hand man to Raul Castro or anything like that, but he became really good. Like Castro really took care of him and his family afterwards. And now he's, he's pretty high up there in the the Cuban regime. I think that like the Castro's 
that would be like the biggest middle finger like yeah you gave this person residency but guess what they're like under my hand now bitch That's right. probably and, well that was the whole they thing they literally like, told you you'd fuck off <laughs> yeah they i mean Damn. they got to decide they ripped a kid off. from from yeah. family to give back to his dad but in the, in the end all he was was a pawn like, literally ripped that's him. all like, he the was picture, they ripped him honestly, out from family yeah. where he could have had a better life essentially we think so we is hope. he still a uh, resident or no like- no he's he's not even here he's in cuba Damn. he's been in cuba Positive. for years yeah. since 2000 he's been in cuba this is i remember wild. that story that story Let me was see. wild i didn't know too much but i remember it and i just remember the picture of the, with the guns you can find it it's a famous picture that oh one. my god yeah yeah, I mean, I agree with Jocelyn. It would be easy for me to be on the back side or, or to support wet foot, dry foot because it happens to be in favor of my people. People, yeah, um, I'm not. I don't think it's fair. There's really the difference between Cuba, Jamaica, Haiti, Dominican Republic. It's nothing. It's a couple miles. So I don't think it's fair. I think it was done as a political stunt. Or yeah, I agree. I think it was definitely there was there was the Cuban Missile Crisis, and Cuba was further aligning itself with the Soviet Union, and we were in the Cold War, and there were a thousand things. And I can pull up a history textbook, but Vanessa was the history major in college for a hot second, so she could probably give you a better <laughs> summary than I can. Um, but it was definitely that done. You in- were oh my god, I had literally no idea. Like <laughs> it was in Canada. You know your <laughs> friends, <laughs> Vanessa, no, Vanessa was another bitch in Vanessa in in Canada. <laughs> she was a nice, wholesome girl. I would like to thank all of y'all for your input on today's topic. Um, this is something that's very near and dear to my heart. Much like Vanessa, I too could have been a DACA kid, which is why I wanted to bring it up today. So let me try to be fast and quick because I don't want to bore y'all with the, you know details of my life and my family's life but my parents did live here right and then they were like you know what let's just go back to the homeland what's the big deal you know and this was like i don't know the 80s and so they moved back to Colombia. my siblings and i were born hello here we are and then they were like you know what Mm, we could be doing better back in the states and the thing is that like it's hard for people to understand well why would your parents you know my parents were residents at they weren't citizens but they were both residents people are like well why would they leave it's hard you know it's almost like for those of you that like joss and vanessa you guys grew up in miami and you love new york and you live in new york but there are things that you miss about your hometown there's food there's people there's there's things that really tug on your heartstrings and i understand that because although i didn't i didn't like live in Colombia for an extended period of time I can't imagine what it's like for you to, that's all you know. You know, at least for my dad, he didn't move to the States until he was 15. My mom lived here. She moved here when she was like 12 or 13. When we moved back, my parents' residency had expired. Um, but they said it's now or never. Um, things weren't going great. And I was young, bitch. I was like five years old. And my mom was like, I'm not leaving her. Like, I'll leave the other two. You know, they're like 17 and 13, respectively. Like, you know, and they're boys. Like, they'll be fine. They just go to school. They come home. They eat. They jerk off. And they go to bed. Like, that's all that teenage boys do. <laughs> I'm sorry. My mom's going to be like, Janae, I can't believe you said that. She's going to be like, hi, Janae. And Junior for facts. They're going to hate me. I, but, I mean, let's be real. You know, like. It's all my brother is, so fuck it. Yeah, so, but she's like, I can't leave my five-year-old daughter in whose hands, you know? The other two can wipe their asses and they can fucking feed themselves. What is she gonna do? I will say, and judge me all you want, I was still drinking a bottle by the time I was five. I was spoiled, and I was, was the baby. Mental work? At least you weren't. At least you weren't no. bad. No, like a bottle, like, so, in Colombia, I have this thing, which, honestly, I will say, as an immigrant child... I had to leave my bottle. My mom was like, bitch, this is the one thing we can't take. And I sobbed. But anyway, aside from the point. She said, you gonna grow up today. Girl. Yeah, she said, you about to learn. <laughs> <laughs> and I did, unfortunately. But I was obviously a Colombian citizen. I, all I knew was Colombia. All I knew. And I had, a, I, had a, I had an okay house. Like, we weren't dying. We weren't starving. We all went to, pri- like, we went to school. Like, it was fine. But 
my parents' number one concern was that they had a, I think my brother was 16, 17 years old, a high school student. They wanted him to go to school here. And then they said, you know what, the rest of them can go to school here as well. And so they took on this journey. We flew to Panama and that's it. That's as far as we got from there. We took everything by road, you know, like I wasn't the type of person that flew into this country and overstayed my stay. Like I was smuggled into the country by my parents. Do you think I knew what the fuck they were doing at five? Nah, bitch. I was on, I was on a trip. I was on a road trip. I was just having the time of my life, you know? And they were fine because they would show their res, their expired residency. But like to like these countries, they were American, quote unquote, you know? Eventually, we got to, like, the Mexican-American border, and my mom was like, yeah, I don't think this is going to work. Um, my dad is, he's, he resembles a white man, for those of you that don't know physically. He's got blue eyes. He's got white hair now because he's old as fuck, but my mom doesn't. <laughs> my mom resembles a Latin-American woman, you know? She got the dark skin, the dark hair, um, and so my dad pretty much crossed the border. This is, you know, pre-9-11, so... Bear that in mind. My dad crossed the border very, like, without even saying a word. They were like, all right, yes, come on in, sir. Um, welcome back. And then my mom was nervous. And she's like, well, I'm not crossing. We ended up smuggling me through the border. Not in, like, a weird way, you know? Like, not that there's a weird way to smuggle people. But I'm just saying, like, they had a friend. They knew someone who knew someone who knew someone. Basically, one of my dad's ex-girlfriends back when he was, like, 22 had a son who was in Mexico literally like a block away from where we were staying and I used his daughter's passport to get through the border. And so it's an interesting story, a very long story. I made it a very short. similar story to a lot of other people. Yeah. I think, yes. I, but here's my, I thing. feel like this isn't uncommon. It's yeah. not, it's not. And I, I had a lucky end of the stick, I guess. Um, I don't know if that's a thing, but like a lot of people get stolen get held mm -hmm. for ransom and a lot of kids die unfortunately and shit can go bad really quick in these situations kids don't have any way of claiming their kids because no one cares unfortunately quote-unquote no one cares about them they're illegal their country is dealing with shit they're not going to go out there and fight for them america's not going to go out there and fight for them they're not american and so you're really between a rock and a hard spot in these situations. For me, I made it. We're here. We're good. My brothers had the luxury and privilege of just flying in. Um, so good for them. You know, I, I had to scoot under. I had to sit under seats and I had to hide. And I've always been very little. So like, shout out to my height because that worked out, bitch. Um, <laughs> I hate you now. <laughs> bitch, imagine if I was Jocelyn, this is six, seven, however tall. She is. I'm five seven. She's so, every time she's talking about Jocelyn's height, she adds an inch. Or like, she's like, Jocelyn's like, a whole foot. Five, this tall Amazonian, and I'm like, I'm five seven. Okay, oh, but God. everything's tall for me. Hello. So imagine Yeah, Jocelyn, when you're 4'11". Imagine tall. Jocelyn being like, I don't know, how tall were you? This bitch was definitely like five foot tall when she was five. Imagine her. Five foot tall when she was five. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Is she a freak? I'm a fucking WNBA player. <laughs> Brooklyn, what are you doing working in media? You should be fucking... I should be playing yeah. basketball or volleyball. Yeah, go ahead. I'm in the wrong field. I would support you. But anyway, we made it. We're here. I, I'm glad that we all talked about this, that we shared this moment. I just want to send out my love to all the DACA recipients, to all people that made it to the country here legally, illegally, quote-unquote right quote-unquote wrong it doesn't all have to be bad that's my only message that i want to send out to the people of america immigrant isn't synonymous with bad we're here we love america this is our homeland too and um yeah that's about it so i just want to say one thing i i think we mentioned it like earlier um in the podcast but i think you know, like you said, people have a very negative connotation um, when it comes to immigrants and people coming to this country, whether it be legal or illegal. Um, I'm very much on the fence in the in, and I, I don't even think I'm on the fence, to be honest, in the terms of people coming here illegally. I feel like if you're not doing any harm, if you eventually get your papers right, like I don't have I've never really had a problem with that. Um, I feel like 
people usually when they're coming here, they're coming by, they're coming here by any means necessary. So whether it's illegal or legal, they're doing what they got to do to, you know, make sure that their family set up for the, for the future. I mean, my mom's, my mom and I aren't immigrants, but like, I'm sure my mom's had to do some questionable things as well to make sure that I was set up correctly, especially since we're single family, we're black, like, that being said that's enough so i as someone who's like not an immigrant i just want to say i definitely stand with uh the community of people who are immigrants whether you're hispanic whether you're moroccan i don't know that was random i'm just throwing out countries but like i definitely stand with immigrants because i again this country was built on immigrants so yeah that's where i stand. and it still is and it still is built on immigrants have you guys there's a video um was floating around the internet and it was like um a day in the life without immigrants and it was like showing all these different ways that we would be affected if there weren't immigrants in this world so i wish there wouldn't be such a i wish it wouldn't be such a taboo word or have such a negative connotation because i don't think there's anything wrong being an immigrant i respect immigrants um unfortunately there are people in the world who don't but they can fuck off. So like we're out here. Fine. All I want to say too, thank you, Jocelyn. One last thing before I ask you guys for your closing thoughts. Um, unless you're a native American and you belong to the type of tribe of the Northern American type. Um, yeah, you're all fucking immigrants. Um, so that's all I have to say. Um, so, <laughs> you're right. But what I would like to ask you guys, and I'll go down in alphabetical order. One word that you guys are going to, Associate with immigration moving forward from this conversation. Amanda, go. Understanding. Beautiful word. Jenny, Hard yes. workers. Hard workers. Yes, Jenny. Okay, Josh, go. Strength. Oh, yes, bitch. Okay. All right, Nat, go. Um, I just want to say, I'm going to say more than one word because I was trying to say something <laughs> earlier, but it's okay. You guys are just going off. You so can go, I'm Nat. A, I let you do, do your thing. Um, my one word, first I'm going to just say respect. The biggest thing I think for anyone that has parents who are immigrants or who are immigrants themselves is they just want respect. And I think history is just something that people are honestly so clueless about, especially when it comes to immigrants and, and what they've done and where they've come from. But for someone like me who I know that if I ever saw my parents in a situation where they were discriminated because of where they came from or how they speak or how they look, like. I just want people that don't have to deal with that or that don't have anything close to that to kind of think of what that would feel like. And that's what people, that's what immigrants live with day to day is just the fear just of fucking respect each other. That's all exactly it is. So. So that not that is hard. And also to just surround yourself with different people. You know, if you see that yep. you're hanging out with people that are similar to you and that don't uh, expand your mind to different groups or to different facets of history meet new people get out there talk to people about where they come from their heritage and even like we all talked about we learned a lot of stuff in college and that's late for us to be learning those things but we took the time to sit back and speak to these people and learn about it so just treat people respect across the board that's it mic drop that was good nat thanks dog um one word i'll choose is brave yes great word my one word that i want conversation with is tenacious this was fucking amazing thank you all of you for joining so let's go ahead and talk about what we're gonna sip to this week i am sipping to my goddaughter's turning one year old on saturday demi will be one year old um but you know what i'm also in theme i'm gonna sip to my grandma and my grandpa because they they did a lot to get me here and give me the opportunity to have these ideas that are different from my friends and none of us go to jail for them. So go ahead. We're going to cheers to Margot and Alberto. I will also cheers to Tata, my grandmother, and my, my grandfather who came over here. But I'm also going to cheers to my mom because we get to get up at 5 a.m. tomorrow and drive to Tallahassee. So that's yeah. really fun. Yeah. So that'll right. be interesting. Cheers, mom. It's for you. I'm going to cheers to um, you guys' families who came here by any means necessary. Uh, and yeah, you know, 
happy to have you all in my life. <laughs> Love you. Oh my now god, cute. I'm gonna cheers to my parents. They've gone through some shit, but like, look at me now. A so it was worth it. Um, and also cheers to all those recipients who get to stay longer in this country and work hard towards their dreams and their goals. I saw one thing on Twitter of this girl who just graduated from law school. Oh, my heart. And she was a DACA recipient, and now she's going to practice immigration law. And I'm like, yes, sis. But um, still, like, a lot of the kids are being ripped up from their families, and they're at ice camp. So, like, we also have to think about them. There's also a lot of organizations that are existing right now where we can help these families. Mm-hmm. So, it's Get them like out of the fucking cages. They're not yeah, in. and let's also, lest we forget that there's also still more things going around. So, we're thinking of them. For sure. Definitely on that note, um, cheers to DACA recipients for this win for them um, and anyone else who dreams of a better life for themselves. Big dreams and big goals and cheers to you to go after them. Also cheers to the LGBTQIA community. Um, I believe the mother law was passed that you cannot be discriminated at work for your sexual orientation. Um, Shout out to y'all. I think that is a big win for um, a very big, diverse, and just great all-around community. And also, yeah, shout out to my mom and dad for all they have done for me to get me to where I am today and that I don't mess it up. So that's where my tears tears are going to. Cheers to not fucking up. I am sipping to a ton of shit. I honestly should just drink the whole bottle. You have. still sipping. To Black Lives Matter because yes. just because your news feed and your Instagram feed is back to normal doesn't mean it doesn't. I'm sipping We're still also, fucking shut up out here. Yes, bitch. <laughs> I, you know, I'm sipping to the LGBTQ plus community because it's Pride Month and a lot of people in this community hold my heart. So sip, sip, y'all. I'm also sipping sip, sip, to the immigrants, everyone in general, my parents and all of you beautiful people are here by some type of immigrant whether it's in the last 20 or 200 years um so yeah cheers to that sips to that thank you everyone so much for joining us for another episode of gossiping where we gossip while we sip have a great week guys bye